You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry. This is Season 4, Episode 2. Carissa, how you doing over there? Well, you know, we're, uh, it's 2020 still. Uh, <laughs> did, I, did I tell you my plan for getting through the rest of this hot mess year? No, what's that? A few days ago, Lifetime Movies started their Christmas movie marathon for the year. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm watching stupid, corny, predictable Christmas movies for the rest of the year because I need something predictable in my life. I need to be watching something and know exactly what's going to happen. What about Scotch? I mean, Scotch is predictable, um, but I, I need like a predictable story happening around. Me, uh, that makes sense. Okay, you know, that does make to, sense. Yeah, uh, you watch the news and you can't predict what's happening right now. But if you watch a Lifetime movie or a Hallmark movie, you can absolutely. There are no surprises. Okay, I, I, I <laughs> I've left you speechless. <laughs> yeah, it's you know, <laughs> not not exactly my choice for hiding from the world but okay (laughs) yeah well you've just mentioned your choice for hiding from the world i suppose how about scotch (laughs) it's it's one of the top choices for sure though currently not so much yeah um that's a probably a wise healthy choice to limit uh using that hallmark hallmark movies are a much healthier choice uh maybe i i mean (laughs) (laughs) so what is your what is your uh go-to coping mechanism right now to get through the rest of 20 we've got like two more months we can do this uh well there is football oh sure have fun (laughs) yeah uh oh i i'm not sure (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure that I that I have um, replaced uh, substances that I've been advised to reduce or eliminate by my physicians. So uh, I'm still questing about for that uh, that outlet. You could you could try those like uh, the have you tried those mocktails that you can order? They're they're sparkling fruit juice. That's really what they are. (laughs) Yeah. Also not a good choice for me. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. You get sugar and things like that in them too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Well, because this is, you know, we've, we've talked about all of these things at some point on the podcast, but uh, here's the trifecta for those who are uh, keeping score at home. Uh, We've got a pandemic that's been going on for the whole year. Uh, we've got um, building racial tensions and what I would argue is a second civil rights movement. And we have a presidential election in six days what, from what? our recording. A presidential election. Real? I mean, shouldn't shouldn't there be like commercials on TV or something? I don't watch TV. Oh, Okay. Or not on the television, anyway. I watch an awful lot of TV. I just don't watch it on when it's airing on TV to avoid commercials. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, it, it is it is inescapable, and it is something that challenges our faith and really stokes the divisions in our communities and in our congregations. Yeah, and, and we've talked about this before. Presidential elections used to be something I really looked forward to. Me too. I, I used to pay close attention to everything that was going on, uh, used to read everything I could in the newspaper and online, and uh, I used to enjoy engaging in discussions with people. Remember when we actually used to discuss stuff with people we didn't agree with? Oh my gosh, those were the days. I was in debate in high school and student government uh, competitions, not like we were the the senior class president and whatever, but like competitions, like Senate and stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, like from the time I was 16, I would follow the elections, watch all of the debates and uh, stay up all night on election night to, or, well, it's not always all night. Sometimes it's pretty, pretty clear and quickly, <laughs> quickly de- uh, decided, but, you know, stay up as late as it took to watch the results come in. Yeah, I, I used to do the same thing, and uh, it seems quite possible that we will not be um, we will not know exactly the outcome by a reasonable bedtime on the night of Tuesday, November third, or the morning of Wednesday, November fourth. We may have to sleep before it's decided this year. Correct. So what um, what are you doing to prepare your congregation in this anxiety? Uh, so last week I um, preached the love your love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself passage, and we talked about that a bit last week on the the podcast. And just this reminder of who do we belong to truly? You don't belong to a candidate. You don't belong to this country. You belong to Christ. You are God's and God's alone. So go out and act like it. Yeah, that's that's where I went last Sunday as well. And I think I, I decided to uh, cherry pick my text this week and not stay in the lectionary and to go running to the Apostle Paul and the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And... I think it is a needed reminder that if we are going to take the name Christians and be in community with one another, we have to love one another, no matter which candidate wins. And we have to practice that love for the people we disagree with. Yeah, I think this week I'm going to go, I'm focusing on the, the first John passage Uh, beloved love one another and talk about how we are beloved of God all of us are beloved of God so stop acting out of fear and act out of the security and knowledge that you are God's Mm. God's alone boy that would that would be an act of of faith and love and I guess it takes hope to do those three things those things. I think and I see where you're going with this. Yes, yes, indeed. So I, I, um, I, I think that 
perhaps why I have gotten frustrated with the political process over the last several years, and I am nowhere near as into politics as I used to be, is that I have trouble finding the hope. Um, I, I have, in years past, certainly had hope for certain political outcomes, but it seems like that always gets frustrated somehow. And I guess it's a reminder that our identity is in Christ and that that's where we need to be finding our hope, that we need to have faith in God, yes, and also remember God's faithfulness to us. And while we are remembering that, practice love for everyone and hope that through faith and love, we can restore the blessed community and get to something better than what we have. I wonder too, how much of that feeling of loss of hope is the shiny vigor and passion of youth wearing off now that we are solidly middle-aged Gen Xers and um, how much of that is because of the situation we find ourselves in the world right now. Yeah, I, I think you're definitely onto something there that we are just, uh, let us say the bloom is off the rose. We <laughs> understand a lot more limitations than we used to. Yet, I don't think this is, this isn't new. I didn't wake up and say, oh, I'm 48 ooh, I'm about to be 49, everything is awful. I mean, I grew up with Generation X cynicism and uh, that feeling that everything sucks. I mean, I was an adult in the 90s. <laughs> I listened to grunge. <laughs> you know, our our generational, um, our, 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 I don't want to say malady, um, our generational dysfunction is depression. Absolutely true. Yeah. You know, with with the millennials, it's anxiety. And yes, there are Gen Xers who have anxiety too. But for us, it was just straight up depression. Everything sucks. So it's not like this is new to me, but I will say that when I was a kid, it felt like we just came from a more hopeful, optimistic moment. Yeah, for all of their weird glory, the 80s were nothing if not optimistic. <laughs> right. I mean, and I, and I think uh, not to go off on a huge tangent of American history, but the people making the decisions in the 80s were our parents to a small extent and to a larger extent, our grandparents, people in their fifties and sixties who had uh, grown up come of age in the great depression and the second world war and who raised kids during the baby boom. And they were pretty firmly in charge. And those generations saw some of the worst of times they survived them and everything was so much better. 
Um, if you want to look to our media, uh, watch the original series of Star Trek or even The Next Generation. And those are like hopeful and positive and everything can be fixed if we work together. Well, that, that's more Next Generation. Um, in, in the original series, it's everything can be fixed if Spock or Kirk figures it out. <laughs> if the right man in charge is in charge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then but, look at that compared to some of the newer stuff that's coming out in the, the Star Trek universe, too, that is very much, like, very much darker, very much more complicated. Even Picard, if you watch that, is very dark and complicated. I, I haven't seen it yet, but yeah, they they reflect the reality in which they were created. And, uh, you know, the original Star Trek was just mid-century modern, uh, modernist idealism. It was really influenced by the post-war economy and this feeling that the progress was real and couldn't be stopped. And boy, somewhere around 9-11, it just stopped feeling like we could make progress. Yeah, and um, I think that we're in a similar time now, right, where we are going through some serious stuff. And we've, we've named some of those things today. And that shapes a culture and it shapes our art. It shapes everything we do. And it even shapes our worship. You know, we're looking, this is a time of year that has been hopeful and great in general in past years too, right? It's just that time of year. Right. We're, we're you and I are both busy planning worship for the next several weeks. And we always look forward to, Advent and Christmas with a mixture of anxiety because there's so much work to do and hope and joy because there is so much, um, so much goodness about to happen. You know, everybody in our congregation is excited. Uh, we're excited for what Christmas Eve will be like. And, uh, and then we're excited for, for that minute that we walk into the door in our own homes after Christmas Eve and we don't have nothing to do. Oh, that is such a good... Actually, I don't have nothing to do when we walk in the door after Christmas Eve, but I know what you mean. Work is over. We actually wait until Christmas Eve to wrap any Christmas presents and we stay up late <laughs> with a bottle of wine and wrap presents mm -hmm. when the kids go to sleep on Christmas Eve. But um, no, and that's exactly true. I think that there's a new life to this Advent in a weird way. We we have to lean into the hope of it so much harder. And that connection to we are in a refining time. We are in a time of, of like a pressure cooker <laughs> being formed into something new right now. Uh, but that can be channeled into some real interesting hope. And we get to do new things with Advent. It's not just the same stuff we do every year this year. Yeah, it's going to be really weird. I don't know about you, but we're negotiating between, um, well, not negotiating. We are going back and forth between being in the sanctuary and being online 
just about every other Sunday. And uh, that's, that's really weird because, well, we can't sing when we're together on a Sunday morning, but we can sing in our own homes when we're watching online. So I go back and forth between uh, planning, planning a worship service where uh, we have one hymn and maybe it is performed by the handbell choir and then we have a service where I pick three hymns because everybody's singing at home. Yeah, it's so it's so difficult to balance all of that. You want you don't want to lose the feeling um, of those years and years of singing Silent Night with a candle in the sanctuary, but you also need to acknowledge that this is a very different time in which we can create new traditions of some sort. Yeah. I mean, that's when, when I say a hopeful time as a pastor, I am always hoping that I will see a full sanctuary on Christmas Eve. And I, I think uh, as much as I can tell you that numbers aren't important spiritually, I know that I can count the heads in in the congregation and worship just feels a little bit more satisfying when the pews are full. Except not always, because again, pandemic. Did I tell you about the nightmare I had the other night? It was horrible. <laughs> no. What what was the what was the nightmare that you had? We just did our first live stream on Sunday morning, and it, it went pretty well. We had a few technical glitches, but we worked them out uh, and, and made it workable. And that's sort of our, we're going to get the live stream in order because we just don't know what's going to happen by way of Advent and Christmas. We're kind of, a lot of it, we have to wing it, especially Sunday morning services, like you mentioned. So we started our first live stream instead of pre-recorded worship. And then the night before... I had this dream that every single person, nobody understood what live stream meant, and they thought it meant church was back to normal. And so everybody from both congregation, both congregations showed up, plus like half of my home church and 100 people we'd never seen before, including a couple who rushed me at the pulpit with their baby, tried to hand me their baby because they wanted it to be baptized, and they weren't wearing masks, of course. And the first words out of my mouth was, we need to have session approval and a conversation before we can baptize your baby. And then I said, oh, by the way, you should be wearing masks today. But my nightmare, all that to say, my nightmare was that the church was full on a Sunday morning. <laughs> that That is such a Presbyterian nightmare in more ways than one. <laughs> it really, there's so much wrong going on in that dream, right? Um, it, you know, the, the fact that I'm, I'm concerned that the church will be too full and that, that the first thought out of my head when someone approaches me with this baptism thing and no masks is polity, not yep. put your mask on. There's just a lot going on there. But boy, boy, do we have that, uh, that session approval thing drilled into our heads, don't we? Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> you, you, you can't, as a Presbyterian minister, you can't ever give somebody a straight and simple answer uh, to the question can we get my baby baptized there or can we get married in your church? Yeah. It's never that, it's never that easy. Not even, not even in a dream. <laughs> no, no. And that's, 
that that's what I find so funny is that 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 particular bit of polity invaded your dream. <laughs> like the other stuff being scary, I totally get, <laughs> but I love that even in your dream, you still went the Presbyterian polity. I, I have to wonder, was that my brain trying to put something into that scenario that I could control? Yes. Yeah, I, th- I think it. Pro- <laughs> knowing me, it probably was. <laughs> so what, what prompted you to wake up from the dream? At, at what point did the, did the nightmare wake you? Yeah, that's a good question. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think how far I got into it. And I think I got to about the point where I realized I hadn't prepared a sermon. Maybe, and that's when my brain—that's when my brain said, "This is ridiculous. This can't possibly be real." Yeah. Okay. <laughs> because even if I hadn't prepared a sermon, I probably could have figured something out. I could talk for fifteen minutes, obviously. Right. Yes. We we both meet that criterion without a doubt. <laughs> um. And we're good enough at it that we can convince the people out there listening to us that we knew what we were doing the whole time. Sure. Let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's such a weird, weird year to be doing, uh, we've got All Saints this Sunday, which is mm-hmm. kind of usually the, like the landmark for us of the beginning of this time of year, because you've got All Saints Sunday or All Saints Day, depending on how your tradition does it. You've got Thanksgiving. I know that we do a Thanksgiving Eve service. Um, I think you have a community Thanksgiving service. Yeah, we our clergy association puts it on, and it's really cool because um, we've got people coming from like 20-plus congregations together, and we have uh, not just uh, Christian congregations, but Jewish and Muslim congregations also. So you will... You, you could really have the the joke about the priest, the rabbi, and the minister, and the imam all preaching in one night. Yeah, Thanksgiving is great because it's like this vaguely spiritual but secular holiday, so you can celebrate it with, with a wide variety of faith traditions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, we I mean, we all have thankfulness in our tradition, and so it, it's it's easy to come together and celebrate what we have in common. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then Advent. And, so Right. And then Advent. And, and Epiphany. And Epiphany. That's, that's next year. Let, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. <laughs> I would really love to, though. Like, I really want to push <laughs> through. I can't wait for Easter this year because hopefully by Easter we will begin to see emergence from this pandemic oh that'd be nice but uh just as we should not speculate about the election on this podcast we should probably not speculate about an end to the pandemic yeah i know though it can't come soon enough oh my goodness it cannot no and and i think that's why we like you know like we mentioned six days to go as of recording before the election, we don't know what we're going to be talking about on the podcast next week. Yeah, it's, it's impossible to predict because we don't know what word of grace we will need to speak. We may be sending a flurry of text messages to each other on Tuesday evening and as the day where an evening we're on, but there, we can't plan for it. 
Yeah, no doubt. It is it is unplannable. I mean, there there are some things that are going to be true. We are going to be talking about identity in Christ and loving neighbor after the election as well as before. Yes, that is absolutely true. And there is a strong likelihood that there will be some sort of contention or civil unrest, regardless of the outcome. But we don't know if the outcome will happen, on, if we'll know it on Tuesday or the wee hours of Wednesday, or if it'll be several weeks before we know. See, I'm not even sure that I go as far as to say there will be a strong likelihood of unrest. I, I'm, I'm not so sure about that. But you're right. We don't know. Yeah. And I think that's one thing that I have found comforting in the past week or two as I've been starting to channel myself into planning Advent. As unplannable as Advent is this year, it is still somewhat planable and predictable. I can still put together the daily emails that I send out during Advent as little devotional snippets. I can still think about different creative ways to do Christmas Eve, even if we can't be in person or we can only be limited in person. You know, so there's these these things that we can look at that we can predict. Advent is going to happen regardless of what happens next week. Christmas will come. Jesus comes no matter who is elected and how next week. Yes, the advent of something new is always upon us. And maybe just getting back into the idea of the cycles of church life are a good thing. Um, Although I, I don't know about you, but I've been looking ahead at the hymns in the lectionary, and I have seen a surprising number of Christmas hymns during Advent uh, in the lectionary. You know how I feel about this. Oh, I, I do. And I and I am generally in agreement with you. But um, if ever clearly, there's a year. <laughs> yeah, if ever there's a year to give our congregations a little more of what they want, it's probably this year, number one. And number two, clearly there is a textual reference that the editors at Hymnery are looking at when they select those hymns as possible choices for each Sunday in Advent. So we're, we're not venturing too far uh, off the beaten path to, to do that. You know, I think we're uh, in harmony with the, texts that we might be using in worship and and yeah this is probably the year not to have the fight about no christmas hymns until christmas eve don't let this go to your head but you are right (laughs) (laughs) and you know something you said really struck me you you used the the phrase life cycles of the church And it hit me in an interesting way. What would it look like if we went back through the um, the annals of history and looked at what did congregations do? What were faith communities doing during Christmas, during the, the 1918 flu epidemic? What were they doing during World War One and World War Two, when so many people were overseas fighting? What were churches doing during those difficult times? Or even go back to the Civil War. Heck, you know, go back to these difficult times. And what was 
what was the community doing on Christmas then? And pull in some of those very old traditions with some of the new ones that we will have to form during this time to bring that together. That's a really interesting thought. And I, I wonder, I mean, this is probably like a, a, a doctoral project or something, but, you know, I wonder what the, when we get far enough back into the 19th century, what we would find in terms of Christmas traditions. I would think that there is probably going to be a lot less emphasis on Christmas uh, prior to the late 19th, early 20th century. That's just going to be my guess. I know that um, a friend of mine who is an elder at a church I used to belong to went and pulled session minutes from uh, the 19th century in a number of churches and he found minutes of session meetings on Christmas Day. Ooh, that'll which, that'll never fly. No, not at all. But if you have um, if you have a culture that says December twenty fifth is just another day, then it's not a big deal to have a session meeting on December twenty fifth. I'm wondering if in that there might be an argument for simplicity these oh, days clearly i think there is an argument for simplicity and uh for um for a different sort of fundamentalism mm -hmm. um a a radical response in the true meaning of the word radical which is to get back to the root of something right that uh, this is not, um, th this is, the celebration uh, is still important, but we have turned this into a festival of consumerism. And what we are celebrating is something other than what the original feast day was for or we've we've grafted uh an event of um consumer culture onto a religious holiday to the detriment of a religious holiday you're just pushing all my christmas trigger buttons today uh -huh. <laughs> that's a that's a huge one for me is just that uh somehow we have imposed our capitalist consumerist tendencies onto what is meant to be a holy day and that's disgusting it it is uh, although again there's a there's a phd dissertation or a demon project probably in analyzing those old session minutes I, it would just be interesting to see to get a sense from contemporary sources of you know, 150 years ago to, to find out just how big of a deal Christmas was or wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that that goes back to this conversation about cycles and seasons and how they're not always going to be the same and predictable. 
And we still need to find the hope in the midst of those, whatever it looks like for mm-hmm. us. And that it's okay for it to change. It's okay for our traditions and our seasons to change. It's hard to let them go. It's hard to make them something new and different, but it's possible. And it's been happening since the beginning of time. Right. Or, or at least since the beginning of the church. Well, yes, if you're specifically talking about church cycles, but we go through these in human tradition and faith across mm-hmm. the board, though. Right. Well, also in terms uh, more specifically of Christmas and you know that that's a that's a tradition that only goes back. <laughs> I was aiming for a broader theme here. <laughs> maybe yeah, I didn't I know. make that. Maybe I didn't make that particularly <laughs> clear. But yeah, it's just a normal human thing that that stuff changes, and that's okay, and it's hard, and it's okay for mm-hmm. that to be difficult. Yes, yes, it is. Well, I think I think we've probably. Um, wrung all that we can out of this advent moment and this pre-election moment so perhaps it is time to uh bless our dear listeners and conclude the podcast i agree with you i think that's a great idea that's twice today you've been right mark that down (laughs) i'm gonna write it on the calendar alan was right twice today no, actually, I'll probably just listen to the podcast. There you go. There you go. Good advice. Sage advice. Gracious God, we come to you in uncertain times seeking hope. Seeking hope for a better time. Seeking hope for reconciliation across the political and economic and racial divides within our society. We come to you seeking hope because we know that you are the source of our hope. We know that if we place our hope anywhere else, we are likely to be disappointed and soon. We ask that you equip us with faith and love as we search for this hope. We ask all this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Dear ones, go in grace to love and serve the Lord by loving and serving one another, especially in this week that that is forthcoming. And uh, may God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be with you and around you. Uh, Hey, Alan. Yes. You know what you call an old snowman, speaking of being middle-aged? What do you call an old snowman? Melty? A puddle. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Next week will be interesting. Next week will be interesting. We will talk then. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.